When you think of search, it's easy to think of Google and Amazon. Certainly in part, this is because they're some of the largest, fastest growing companies in the history of companies. But in addition, it's because their business model is more or less predicated on giving people what they're looking for. For Google, roughly speaking, that's answers. And for Amazon, roughly speaking, that's products. How does that same topic of search correlate to all businesses? What other business should be concerned about whether when somebody shows up, they can actually find what they're looking for, whether that's contacting a salesperson, whether that's finding an article, whether that's finding the perfect product for their need. How does search play a role in essentially any digital experience, whether you're B2B or B2C? That's what we dive into this week with Dr. Khalifa Al-Jadah, who is lead data scientist at Career Builder. Dr. Al-Jadah speaks with us about how Career Builder has sort of upped their game in terms of improving their search experience on their site, obviously a platform for connecting job seekers and folks who are posting jobs for respectively finding applicants and, and finding positions to apply to. How do you find the geo data, the individual words like Java that could mean part of JavaScript or could just be Java all by itself? How do you coax what means what and give people the jobs that they should be applying to or the applicants that they are darn well looking for? How can you coax that out in context? Khalifa speaks with us about exactly how they've done that at Career Builder and with lessons that can pretty easily transfer to other businesses that are looking to up their search user experience. And he also speaks with us about the future of search. Five years from now, Google, Amazon, and essentially any other company that takes search seriously will be doing it in a much more robust way than it's being done now. And this may involve conversational interfaces like chatbots. It may integrate speech in some regards. And Khalifa explores what some of those options will be for a little bit of an around-the-corner look for how search will play an important role to digital experience in the coming five to ten years ahead, which I thought was a very, very interesting aspect of this interview for absolutely anybody whose business has a website, which should be more or less all of you. So without further ado, this is Khalifa with Career Builder here on AI and Industry. So Khalifa, I wanted to start with the business value of search. We're going to be talking about the evolution of search, letting people get what they're looking for when they arrive either on your app, on your site, whatever the case may be, and the business value they're in. A lot of people think of search and they say, okay, well, the that might be really important for Amazon, might be really important for Google. I don't know how it works for my B2B company. I don't know how it works for these other applications. What do you see as kind of the critical business value in search itself? Sure. So let me think from my experience in the recruitment domain, for example. So recruitment, if you think of it, it's a two-side market. So you have employers or recruiters who are looking for job seekers or for candidates. And you have job seekers who are looking for jobs. So if you think of those two group of people on both sides, job seekers looking for jobs. So if you take the word looking for, that means they are searching, right? And if you take our website, careerbuilder.com, then we are talking about 1 million searches per hour. So if you take that number, so 1 million searches per hour, that means all people who visit your website usually come to conduct searches and to find things that are of interest right, to them. And on the other side, when we talk about the B2B for the employers or recruiters, when they come to find candidates, again, find candidates mean they need to run searches. And the same like an important portion of the traffic that we receive from the employer portal is also, again, search queries. So if you think of this example, like many other industries and many other domains and many other websites usually rely on this functionality of running a search. So when someone hits your website, 
they usually don't see on whatever you put on the homepage. Maybe that's not the thing they're looking for. Maybe that's not what they are interested in. So you should give them the capability to search for the things they are interested in. And once they express their interest via that search box, it is your job now to find the most relevant things that you can offer them and retain that to them. So this is where I see search as a very important and core, let's say, thing to be offered in any online business today. Got it. So if people are looking for academic papers or they're looking for products to buy for construction or products to buy for their baby shower, or they're looking for the right service provider for plumbing or for IT or for whatever, if when they go there, they immediately find things that satisfy their initial intent, now you're more likely to keep them around, now you're more likely to do business, et cetera. And of course, this is, you know, like you mentioned, a career builder, million searches an hour, it gets to a point where this is going to be critical. Are people going to like and enjoy and get what the heck they came for from your platform or not? And What's that do for your market share? So for you guys, this is going to be mission critical. And I think other people who can kind of brainstorm about their own businesses, you use some interesting terms, you know, people come here looking for jobs. People come here trying to find candidates looking for and find our search problems. Exactly. And so if people show up on your app or on your site with the intent of looking for, with the intent of finding, unless you can list it all on your homepage, which probably looks terrible, exactly. then it searches in some way pretty darn important. So. Okay, cool. And certainly in your use case, I'm sure the audience can imagine how darn important it is for candidates to find roles that are a great fit and how important it is for employers who are actually going to be paying and and making this platform worthwhile to find exactly the people they need to find. So talk through some of the problems that you folks have solved in search because, you know, my experience with search, which is certainly doesn't go as deep as, you know, the linear algebra behind the new breakthroughs there Uh is in experiencing the search UI on different platforms. So I know on WordPress sites, for example, you have very basic kind of elastic search stuff where you're kind of going to find places where those words are listed. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. It's, it's generally okay. But if your business is predicated on it, it's probably not good enough. Talk about some of the developments beyond kind of that baseline search experience that you folks have had to innovate on. Sure. So... Let's start with, as you mentioned, like the very basic or baseline of search. So Apache Solar or Elastic, they both come with search capabilities, right? So you can you can think, okay, why should I like invest in improving like hiring team with data scientists, with PhDs, with machine learning and AI background to improve the search, you know, if I can get a search out of the box like this, right, from Apache Solar or Elastic. But if you think of what Apache Solar Elastic is doing. It's exactly what you just mentioned. So it is keyword-based search. It is string matching. So if the keyword which the user put in the search box, and let's think of a word Java in this case, appear in any document in your website, it's going to come back in the search results, right? So if you take that word Java, which I just described, and you do string matching, then Java is maybe a coffee. It's an island, right? And it's a programming language. So it's going to bring back all those documents if you have them in your index. On the other hand, if someone searched for machine learning, then the out-of-box search engine, Solar or Elastic, is going to tokenize this as machine and learning, right? So the word learning in this case is kind of, you know, everywhere. So if any document has the word with root learn, it's going to come back in the search results. So you don't get really high quality results when you do that. 
this is a very serious problem when your business rely heavily on search capabilities. As I said at CB, like this is basically what people visit our website for. They are running search to find jobs. Another important problem, for example, in the domain jargon, for example, in our domain, there are many job titles that are kind of a domain jargon. D-O-N. Do you know what's D-O-N? No. What is it D-O-N? <laughs> D-O-N is director of nurse. So director of nurse, in this case, is a job title. So if someone typed D-O-N on the website and you use Sora or Elastic, what's going to do? It's going to go and find any word that has the three letters D-O-N, right? And you can imagine how noisy the result's going to be. Or someone named Dawn. Or someone named <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah, Dawn. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this is not actually what the users would like to see. When they come and they type that D-O-N on a job board, they kind of assume that you are smart enough to understand based on the domain that this is actually a job title. I'm not looking for someone named Don. I'm not looking for the word done, you know, all that kind of things. In order to tackle that, what we have been working on and what we actually achieved in the last, I would say, year, moving our search engine from being keyword-based search, which is string-based search, to semantic search. And semantic search here means search for things, not for strings. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm just going to clarify some terms that I think the audience might be new to. So you mentioned tokenized when someone searches. When you apply tokenized, you mean when someone types in machine learning into a search as two separate words, those are taken as individual kind tokens. of tokens. Exactly. So here's, here's a combination of letters, here's a combination of letters, these are separate. When in fact, almost ubiquitously when those two are used together, this is one thing. And so a string in you know Python or in whatever other programming language, which our business audience may not be as familiar with, is just a combination of letters, if I'm not mistaken, or sometimes letters and numbers, but of symbols, usually letters, that that's what we're looking at. When right. in fact, for you, what you're saying is, we don't just want a combination of letters, we want clusters of these letters and whatnot that have a meaning that ties to something. Exactly. And, and we want to be looking for those somethings because no one wants to return a combination of letters. They want to return, you know, what those darn well mean. And it's not two separate words in this case. It really should be one unit in some way. So, okay. Exactly. So from strings to things has been some of the recent evolution for you folks. Yeah. Talk through some of that because I'm yeah. curious. So let's again start from the search box, from the query which the user typing. In order to do semantic search, the first thing you need to do is to understand the query by the intention of the user who submitted the query. So you need to be smart enough to understand the query, what does the user mean when he submit that query. And that understanding doesn't come by just, as you said, tokenize the words mentioned in the search box. Whenever you find a space, you just, you know, tokenize and take the word before the space and you move forward. And then you connect those words with and. This is not the right way. So what we have done, we worked on several, I would say, uh, pieces, which at the end, when we connect with each other, it gave us a semantic search. One of those pieces to better understand the query was how can we tokenize the query in a way that, as you said, we take whenever there is something mentioned that refers to something, and it is more than one word, how can we understand that we should take it as more than one word instead of always tokenized by unigrams, single words? And then to do that, we implemented what we call statistical phrase identifier. So I will give an example. Someone typed on the search box, Hadoop, Java developer, machine learning, Atlanta. The phrase identifier in this case goes and find out Hadoop 
should go by itself. And it's tokenized. It say, okay, this query has the word Hadoop. Then it moves forward, finds Java developer. And then it says, okay, Java developer as a biogram, as two words, represent something as a phrase. It is not Java and developer. So it understands that and takes Java developer. Then it moves forward and then it finds machine learning. And again, machine learning in this case is something by itself. Yeah. It shouldn't tokenize it to machine and learning. And then it moves forward and it finds Atlanta. And then it says Atlanta also is something by itself. So at the end, what it gives back is Hadoop, Java developer, machine learning, Atlanta. And that's what the user actually intended to search for, yeah. right? Cool. You got those now. What would you do then? What is next? How can you make it smarter, even smarter? The next thing is to recognize or to understand what is Hadoop? Is it a skill? Is it a job title? Is it a location, right? Is it a name? Is it a company? So this problem is known as named entity recognition. And in our case, we also implemented a very specific to our domain named entity recognition algorithm that recognize Hadoop as a skill, Java developer job title, machine learning skill, and then it goes to Atlanta and say Atlanta is education. So now even you give your search engine more strength by saying that I understand actually what each one of those tokens refers to. This refer to skill, that refer to job title, other one refer to company, you know, something referred to job title. Yeah. This definitely helped the search engine a lot because if you think of behind the scene how the search engine index the documents, you can think of it as fields that says for this document I have skills and those are the yes, skills. Yes, it yes. has, you know, location. This is the location name, it has name, right? So if you have those fields and you can get from the search engine the token saying that, hey, here's a skill. Then you go to the field skills and you search for that word in the field skills. You don't search anywhere else. And same when you say the location is Atlanta, you go to the field location and you search for it, right? So it helps a lot. You start by smarter tokenization, let's say, by using the phrase identifier. Then you move to recognize what is the type of each token or each phrase that I identified. And then after that, we can still do smarter things. So what we there is, okay, I now understand that. What is next is, what if the end user doesn't know actually all the semantic related things that he's looking for? For example, we know in our domain, recruiters usually are not from the IT domain, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So when they get a job posting or when they get a requisition, they need to go and search for candidates. And usually what they take, they take one keyword, like the one that's on their paper, right? The whatever they, whatever's handed. Exactly. So if the hiring manager sent them that I need someone with machine learning, they want to go and then they type machine learning. That's all what they know. Our goal now from Semantic Search is to educate those people by telling them, you know, machine learning is related also to data science. It's related to data mining. It's related to neural networks. Yeah. So if you expand your query, including those other semantically related things, that would improve the results that you're going to see. That's going to enrich the results that you're going to see. And you can find the candidates that you're looking for. Got it. I'll try to throw some color on this and have this really click in the mind of the audience as well. Yeah, I can imagine that in this named entity problem, which is, again, machine learning, we need that to be one thing. Java developer needs to one thing. It's not the island and then developer, like a developer on the island of Java or developer needs more coffee or something. <laughs> you, you know to mesh those two together. My guess is that 
some of that, some of those things that need to be called a thing rather than just a string of words is from tons of previous searches and some human and or system has been able to coax those out and say, okay, we really should call this its own thing. So some human saying, look, these are their own things, but that also you can't do that with a human for every possibility right. of search terms. So you also have to kind of, my guess is statistically coax out how many times do these two or two or three words seen sequentially? And does this mesh with something sequential in the resumes that we can say, as a computer, I don't know what this necessarily is, but these three belong together. I'm going to call it a unit. My guess is there was some combo of humans doing something that was important there in the early days, but that you also need the ability to pick up those new things. Am I on the right page? Man, we should hire you. Oh, come on now. <laughs> you already did start that algorithm. That's exactly what we do. Okay. So we analyze using the big data technology today. We are able to analyze millions, billions of search logs that we have. And this is one piece that we look at the search logs, which we collect from millions of users and billions of search requests that we get monthly or yearly, right? So we look at our historical search logs. And then by looking at how many times that this is, those things happen to appear with each other, we understand that people always refer to Java developer, you know, as together, you know, so we understand that it is something by itself, right? That gives you an indication. Also, we go back to our resume database where we have millions of resumes and we analyze the text as well over there. And we find out that, you know, this thing also appeared there as in that sequence. So that means it refers to something. And then we go to the job postings from the employers and we find that it is mentioned the same way over there. So when you take that combination of knowledge from the search logs, from the reasons, from the job posting, yeah. you have better understanding now. And you utilize, as you said, a statistical machine learning model on top of that, that analyzes data and give you like the probability that this is biogram thing, this is like two words thing, or this is one word thing. By doing that, we are able to recognize those phrases. And also, my guess is when you pick, like you said, you don't just want to know this is a thing instead of a string. Java developer is one unit. You also want to know that that is kind of a role. And you also want to know that Java is a programming language and also kind of a skill. And my guess is that, that some of that may have been baked in for some things as you were building the initial system, but that your goal certainly moving forward and maybe to build what you got to is that, let's say, you know, machine learning was identified in the resumes as a skill, in the job postings as a skill, and maybe you don't know from search because they're not typing skill machine learning, yes. but you're guessing, okay, well, it's listed in these two different sources in kind of the same, you said field. So, okay, this is a thing. And we can also safely say this is a skill thing. And so you have to contextually parse that as well. Maybe that's how you get to that level of distinction. Yeah. So for the entity type thing, we have done a very nice thing. And actually, we, we published our work. The good thing about work at CBH is that you are allowed to publish your work. So we published that work. It's a nice research. What we've done is we have a very rich public knowledge base, which is Wikipedia, right? Yes. So, and what we did is we started with a set of labeled data, labeled skills. So we had inside CBA an in-house developed taxonomies that tells us this thing is a skill, that thing is a job task. So we took that data as our training data and we trained a machine learning model by saying, take the word and its label. So Java is a skill, Java developer is a job title. Take Java as a skill. And go hit Wikipedia 
and try to find out, learn the context when it is a skill, what are the surrounding words usually are. Right? So the model that we built was able to capture some features or things, common pattern that whenever it's a skill, the surrounding context usually, you know, is written or is designed in a specific way. So there is a pattern. And that's the way we did it. So we train a model on five different categories, skill, job title, location, company, school, because those are the entity types that we care about. And we train that model using, as I said, the already annotated data in-house. That's great. And we use Wikipedia as the source of knowledge, you know, to get the context when this word is mentioned, what are the surrounding things. And we use as well the job postings on our domain as another context besides Wikipedia. You know? So it was kind of a cool research project. It's very funny that you mentioned Wikipedia as kind of something that was able to you know, be a base here because yeah. our technical advisor at, at Tech Emergence is an NLP guy. When we built out an ontology for the functions and the business sectors where AI is being applied, because yeah. it's so hard to say, oh, uh, healthcare, finance, or these are very arbitrary, right. particular categories, subcategories. The sort of base reality on that was structuring it off of Wikipedia and finding things that overlap there. So yeah. it's very funny that it's like, okay, I guess NLP guys do this. And oh, this, yeah. There's lots of Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> this, the, there's already humans that have organized thoughts into some big conglomerated way. We're just going to start there. So, okay, cool. So you guys had to do that as well. I'm interested in a closing thought. Clearly, you've made a lot of developments at CB already. You've been able to publish your work. You've made the evolutions from strings to things, and not just from things, but specific types of things to get people, employers and potential employees, exactly what they're looking for, closer to exactly what they're looking for. The future of search, you know, five or 10 years from now, we can imagine things will continue to evolve and that, that sure. search as a field will continue to develop. And sort of just like Amazon, kind of whether you like it or not, and having my last business be an e-commerce business, I can speak to this, kind of raises the bar on delivery speed and customer service experience yeah. and everything else that, for a checkout experience for everybody else in e-commerce, you know, the Googles and the other large platforms of the world are, are going to continue to push the bar on the search experience sure. of what people expect. What do you see as some of the future developments in search that might take things to the next level beyond where we even are now for usefulness for the user? Yeah, definitely. I think now the, the future of search is heading towards interactive search where the search box is not just a text box where you type thing and then it gets back to you with the results. It's going to be interactive. And if you think also of the revolution that AI apply everywhere today, I think with the interactive search, we are heading towards hands-free search, which means using the voice to run search. So those are the two directions I believe we are heading to in the search domain. If you think of that, it is going to bring great benefits to the end users because instead of typing what you're looking for, Maybe you are now busy, you know, your hands are full. So you can basically just say the thing you're looking for. Then what's going to happen, it's going to be interactive. So if you say, for example, project manager, as you're looking for a job project manager, then it's going to come back to you saying project manager in software industry or in the construction industry. And then you have that conversation with yeah. the search. And instead then, of seeing both. Yeah, instead of seeing both. Then you tell, oh, no, I'm actually interested in software industry. Then it comes back to you saying, are you interested in local jobs or, for example, for talking about the U.S. or nationwide? And then you say, no, I'm interested in only local jobs. That kind of interactive search with the voice capability, I think, is the future of search, and it is coming. We start to see, you know, some sort of that with Alexa, with Google Home today, with with Cortana, right? 
but it's going to evolve more and more to also become kind of the default search capability in any domain. So in recruitment, we have to prepare ourselves to endorse that. We have to be ready to kind of switch our search now to become voice, hands-free, and to become also, you know, interactive. As I said, we believe that's going to take relevancy, like way beyond what we know today. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can say project manager and today it's hard, right? I mean, it's like, look, I know project manager is a job. I also know it's a role based on these contexts, but it's hard for me to know who you are right. and pull that into the search. So I'm going to kind of give you project managers as opposed to what a, a machine learning system would have to do at that point, I guess, would be to coax out what are the critical sub distinctions that are going to get you to your intent. So like, okay, I know what I'm about to show you based on what you asked, but I know how much more likely I am to satisfy you if I know this fact. So a quick zing back. And of course, that's tough because how many more new layers of complexity are there? How many new sub questions you have to create? You know, there's new technology fields and new roles popping up all the time. The system's going to have to generate these on its own. That is a big challenge. But so you see the, the big distinctions in the future moving forward in search being, you know, being able to speak your searches, yes. but also having a quick kind of pitter patter of dialogue to get straight to like exactly what you want. Yes. Cool. Exactly. Nice. Food for thought for the people who are listening in and thinking about what the future of their own search experience is like. That's all the time that we have, Philippe, but thank you so much for joining us. Sure. It's my pleasure. And thanks for having me. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, Most of our podcast listeners get the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.